Hello and welcome to Sermons from First Press, a weekly podcast from the First Presbyterian Church of Ann Arbor, Michigan. The scripture for today comes from Psalm 104, beginning with verse 13 through 34. Hear now the words of God. The Lord waters mountains from the lofts. From the fruit, your works, the earth is satisfied. The Lord makes the hay sprout for the castle, grass for the labor of humankind to bring forth bread from the earth, and wine that gladdens the heart of humans to make faces shine brighter than oil, a bread that sustains the hearts of humans. The trees of Lord drink their fill, the Lebanon cedars God planted, where the birds make their nests, the storks whose home is the cypresses, the high mountains for gazelles, the crakes a shelter for badgers. The Lord made the moon for fixed season. The sun, God appointed its setting. You bring down darkness and it turns to night, in which all beasts of the forest stir. The lions roar for prey, seeking from God their food. When the sun comes up, they head home, and their dens they lie down in. Humans go out to their work and labor till, until evening. How many your dears, O oh Lord, all of them, you do in wisdom. All the earth is filled with your riches, the sea great and wide, where creatures beyond number stir, the little beasts and the large, there goes there the ships go. Lebethan yo fashioned to play with, all them look to you, to give them food in its season. When you give it to them, they gather in. When you open your hands, they are satisfied with good. When you hide your face, they panic. You withdraw their breath and they perish, and then to the dust they return. When you send forth your breath, they are created. And when you renew your, the face of the earth, may the Lord's glory be forever. May the Lord rejoice in all God's works. Who but looks down on the earth and it trembles, but touches the mountains, they smoke. Let me sing to the Lord while I live. Let me sing hymns to the Lord while I breathe. Let my speech be sweet unto the Lord. As for me, I rejoice in the Lord. A happy Mother's Day to everyone who has nurtured us throughout our lifetimes. It's fitting that on this Mother's Day we come to the week in our series where we will talk about the creation of living things. Because the creation of those living things, we find God's abundance and nurturing for all creation. Have you ever wandered through a quiet wood or meadow? No plans, no cares, just you and the natural world? A few years ago, I heard a lecture on the practice of Shinrin-yoku. It's a Japanese term that translates as forest bathing. At first, it struck me as a very strange practice. You go out into nature and slowly walk or even sit in a forest or a meadow or an open field in whatever place you want to experience nature. The point is not to accomplish anything during that time other than being at one with creation to notice the smells and the sounds and the feel of different plants or the ground beneath your feet. The whole thing sounded a bit strange to my Western ears. You see, I love to hike and I love to be outside, but this idea of just sitting outside or meandering through a forest or field, it seemed strange. But of course, I'm not the type of person to just discount something because it sounds strange. In fact, the strangeness is probably what drew me to that lecture in the first place. So I figured, why not? I'll try it. 
I went up to the mountains of northern New Jersey one Saturday to a place that I knew would be secluded having backpacked there before. And I spent the next several hours sitting in that forest. We humans, and especially Western humans, have lost much of our connection with the created order. In many ways, we have things too easy. We go to big box stores and can find everything and anything that we might need for provision or food. And in so doing, we miss out on some of God's abundance. In our psalm today, we hear the psalmist praising God for all God's creations, all of them from the beasts of the field, to the birds of the air, to the trees in the forest, to the smallest of insects. God created this beautiful Mother Earth, this planet of abundance that contains all that we could ever want for survival and all that we could want for beauty and such variety as to never become stale or boring. God created a world of flourishing, and yet, many of us never experience this flourishing. In fact, the things we humans do are often responsible for the degradation of the flourishing world. We live in a world where technology and productivity are prominent and of utmost value. But in the creation account, our productivity was meant to look much different than it does today. Productivity and human flourishing meant two things in the creation account. Procreation and caring for the created order, all of the created order. We were given food from the plants of the garden or forest that God planted. Food enough for our sustenance as well as that of all of God's creatures. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. That was the mandate that God gave not only to humans, but to all creatures. Human flourishing was to take place within the garden, within the garden among the trees and plants of the field, a garden of provision and symbiotic relationship. The forest does not see humans as separate from it, but as part of it, an indweller of it. The trees are the great protectors of the creatures, providing shelter as well as food. And all this God fashioned for the flourishing of all creation. The thing that strikes me in this psalm is the rhythm of creature life that the psalmist describes, the going in and coming out of the creatures, humans at work by day, animals of prey by night, and each creature each individual creature calling to God to supply for its need. Our disconnectedness from nature, it alienates us. It alienates us from ourselves. We become insular and our life force is diminished. Our senses are dulled. And yet when we return to the natural world, when we return to the forest, we recover our senses. We hear sounds smell the earthy, heavy air, feel the ground beneath our feet, feel the breeze coming through the trees. All of our senses are heightened. We come alive to the world around us. At first, my experience with Shinrin-yoku was a little weird. 
I had a lot of trouble slowing my pace and clearing my mind of clutter. But after an hour or two in that wood, something happened. I became aware, probably for the first time, I became aware of the soul of the forest. Two weeks ago, Reverend McGowan spoke about the Spirit of God being in everything, and he was right. The Spirit of God is in everything, absolutely everything, even the rocks of the field and the birds of the air and the fish of the sea. And yes, even the trees of the forest. As I sat in those woods, touching leaves and picking up handfuls of soil and hearing the rustling of the animals and the stirring of the leaves in the trees, I was overwhelmed with a sense that the forest was speaking, speaking not to me, but to God. The forest was praying. Our relationships with creation are relationships in which nature forms and transforms us. What does it mean to partner with the more than human world? As we begin to think about that question, I turn to our second reading for the day from Ephesians 4. I, therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness in deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body is joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped. As each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Now, when the writer penned this letter, he or she was concerned with both right doctrine and right practice, very Presbyterian sounding. The first half of Ephesians is concerned with right doctrine, the right beliefs, beliefs like baptism, beliefs about who Jesus is. Where we begin our reading today, the writer of the letter is turning to how we should live as Christians. And this passage is all about unity. What does it mean to be the church? How do we live together? The writer speaks not only of our individual callings as Christians, but also the corporate calling of the church. The church, in its diversity, is to use all of its diverse gifts for the building up of the body of Christ. There are two verses in particular that I want to focus on today, and they are these. 
We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness in deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. The writer of Ephesians is telling us to wake up, to pay attention. We are not our own, but belong to something much greater than ourselves. Therefore, we have a responsibility to the church to grow up in every way into him who is head, into Christ, who equips the church for the church's work. That means taking our faith seriously, a faith built upon the foundation that we are beloved creatures of God, tasked with the stewardship of the earth. For too long we have read the Genesis passage about having dominion over the earth to mean that the earth is ours to exploit, to use for our pleasure in whatever way we want. But I think part of what Ephesians is calling us to, part of the truth that we are to speak, is the truth that we are called to be the caretakers of the world that God created in love that to love God is also to love the things that God made, to see and hear the Spirit of God in all of God's creatures. What if unity in the body means more than just unity within First Pres Ann Arbor or unity in the church universal? But what if it actually means unity within creation, unity with what it is that God created? unity with a world full of divisions that oftentimes we cause, what would it look like to live in unity with all of the created order? Maybe, just maybe, unity with all of creation means that whatever we take from the earth, we put back in equal measure. Maybe it means that when we build, we also plant, when we reap, we also sow. Maybe it means that when we take for food, we ensure that we are not taking more than our fair share. Maybe unity in the body also means that our fellow humans have equal share in the creation, in the created order, that those resources need not be held for the wealthiest, that those resources are meant to be shared among all people all creatures, and that everyone has enough. Our low-income places in this country and the so-called third world countries around the globe always have lack. There is never enough food, never enough clean water, and yet ours is a God who created a world of abundance, a world of flourishing where all of these things are plentiful. And yet the vast majority of these resources go to the wealthiest, while the poor suffer. What would it look like for us to be the church in a world where we shared all of God's abundance, 
not just among ourselves, but among all people and all creatures? What would it look like to seek justice for people in less wealthy areas like Ipsy or Detroit? What would it look like to partner, to truly partner, to get our hands dirty, literally get our hands dirty with our neighbors, to create things like community gardens that could provide for the needs of all? What would it be like to share the wealth of the abundance of God's creation in the world? So much of the time we look at the world around us and think, I'm one person. What can I do? These problems are too big for me. They're too hard, too depressing, too difficult. All of these are valid statements. But we are part of something bigger than ourselves. We, as the writer of Ephesians reminds us, are called to be a community of mutuality a community where all of our gifts and abilities come together for the building up of God's kingdom right here on earth. When we think things are beyond us as individuals, we have a whole body of believers who are joined together in Christ. We are not alone in our work. We are not alone in the work that God calls us to be stewards and caretakers of God's good earth. And together we can reconnect with the earth and our calling to be both nurturers of it and to be nurtured by it. That day that I was up in those woods of New Jersey, when I took notice of the soul of the forest, what I felt most acutely was grief. When that forest was crying out to God, it cried out in pain for all that was being inflicted upon it. Logging operations, polluted water, zinc strip mining that poisoned the soil. The soul of the forest brought me to my knees as I was confronted with how humanity had harmed it. And yet, there was new growth. There were young saplings breaking through the forest floor. There were ferns covering the ground in a beautiful green blanket. Amid sorrow and hopelessness, there was new life. The two were held in tension, and that gave me hope. It gave me hope that even though I couldn't stop the strip mining, even though I couldn't stop the logging operations, I could plant new life. I could seek the good of the forest in which I was wandering by picking up trash as I saw it on the ground and carrying it out. I could care for the forest by not straying too far from the path on which I walked. I could compost and reintroduce nutrients to barren soil. I could help build a community that after reconnecting with the earth could bring about change, one small step at a time, as we relearn that God who appointed all things and creates all things is not done with this earth. 
We humans can learn once again to love God's creation and care for it and seek its welfare. Friends, we are an Easter people, a people that see that from death there is new life. That is the world of resurrection that we profess. That is the world that we as the united body of Christ can live every day in love. So go, go into the flourishing world and reconnect with it. Go into the earth and be nurtured by it. And then, nurture it. Amen. Let us pray. Lord of life, the path to you is straight, and yet sometimes we waver. Through our giving, remind us again, O oh God, of our baptismal covenant. This Eastertide season, may we proclaim through the way that we live our lives, a message that is exemplified by our generosity, our kindness, our prayers, and our action. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. On this Mother's Day, this Lord's Day, let us come together now as one body to pray for our world and the people of this planet. Please join me in the prayers of the people. Divine Creator, we welcome you into our sacred space, into our homes, into our lives. With open hearts, we usher in your presence and await the movement of your Holy Spirit. O God of all mothers, stand with us as we celebrate those who have mothered, those who are mothering, those who may one day mother. Abide with us as we honor all those who have found ways to give life, to nurture children, even in the midst of difficult circumstances. In a refugee camp, in a trailer park, on our southern border. In a home hungry for your love and your grace. Stand by us as we acknowledge mothers in all these circumstances and others who are seeking life for their children and for their families. Walk with us as we lift up mothers who are frail in this final season of living, mothers who have given more than they have ever received, mothers who have cared for, caressed, and counseled us, mothers who have been difficult, mothers who have etched their mark upon our flesh, mothers whom we grieve because they have passed before us and their memory leaves us wanting. Comfort us as we remember those who are homeless and hopeless, who are locked up and locked out of their children's lives, either because of incarceration, mental disorders, or self-imposed isolation. And like our earthly mothers, you have given us life and brought us forth to be a source of life and light in this world. You have blessed us with your merciful love even when our behavior breaks your heart. We pray for our leaders during this time of transition and continued uncertainty. Grant us the wisdom and the vision to see each person as a son and as a daughter, worthy not only of liberty, but also of life and safety. 
May you heal our lives and the planet in which we live. As you remind us today and all days of your unwavering mercy, love, provision, patience, and guidance. Help us to spread your motherly love with others, with the stranger, and with our neighbors. And let us now join together in the prayer your son taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thanks for worshiping with us. For more information, visit us on the web at www.firstpresbyterian.org or send an email to info at firstpresbyterian.org. See you next week for another sermon from First Press.